Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. The sower went forth to sow his seed. The parable of the sower is one of the key parables of Jesus. When Matthew puts a whole lot of the parables about the kingdom of God together, he puts this first among them. And there's so much that we can learn from this particular parable. If we think for a moment of God himself being the sower, he sows seed into the hearts and the lives of all of his people. The seed in scripture denotes a number of different things, but principally it signifies the word. So every word that God speaks into our hearts is seed. Now, he will only sow the finest seed. You would never expect God to sow second quality seed. It will always be the best. And the quality of the seed, of course, will affect the quality of the harvest. But between the sowing of the seed and the harvest, there is a process, a process of growth that has to take place. Now, what this parable speaks about is this period of time between the sowing and the harvest. When God sows the seed, he is wanting the harvest of that seed, obviously. Any farmer, when he sows seed, wants to see the harvest. He knows that the quality of the seed he sows will affect the quality of the harvest. But he also knows that the quality of the ground into which he sows the seed will affect the harvest. So you're only going to get the best harvest if you have the best seed in the best ground. So the process of growth is not affected by the quality of the seed. The quality of the seed is already determined when it's sown. But the quality of the ground into which that seed is sown And Jesus speaks of four different qualities of ground. There's the the path which cannot receive the seed. Interestingly, when Jesus explains the parable to the disciples, he said that even, even the word 
that is sown into the lives of people that are represented by the ground is sown into the hearts of those people. But those people have hard hearts. They reject the seed. They do not respond so there can be no result. Jesus says the birds of the air symbolizing the enemy comes and snatches that seed from them so that it cannot take root in their lives. Then there's the seed that falls upon the rocky soil. This evokes a superficial answer or response to the word because it's sown into a superficial heart. Seems the first reaction is good, is great. The seed is received with joy. But it's only a very superficial response to God. So as soon as there's any difficulty, as soon as there are any problems, those people drift away. There's no real depth of faith, of repentance, of commitment, of relationship with the Lord. The Lord is looking for results. One of the most popular television program is uh, Strictly Come Dancing. That program is in two parts. There's the main part where everybody does their performing, but then there's the results program. And what matters is the results. The same is true of God. It's not just what we're doing, our dancing, if you like, but what are the results? What are the fruit? Because Jesus says it's not by your doing that you will be known, but by your fruit. The fruit is the result. The harvest is the result. So we can fill our lives with all kinds of seemingly good activity, but if they don't produce the results, something is wrong. And the third kind of soil is the kind that is probably most appropriate to the majority of Christians who do not see great results, great harvest in their lives or in their churches. And Jesus says that this is because although the seed is received and grows, there are other things that have been allowed to take root in the heart and lives of those people. And the other things choke the good seed and hinder it from being fruitful. Now, the scripture means thor- mentions thorns and thistles, weeds of various kinds. The weeds can represent two things scripturally. 
we know that the devil sows weeds. Remember the parable of the, of, of the wheat and the tares. And Jesus, uh, when the disciples are asking, you know, how can this happen? Jesus said, the enemy has done this. The devil has sown those negative things. So the devil always wants to sow negative seed. Seed that will choke the good seed that God has sown. And that's why it's so important for us to guard ourselves against all the negatives that the enemy would want us to receive. False accusation, false condemnation, unbelief in God's word, a lack of faith in our expectation that we will see the harvest of what he has sown, all kinds of negativity. But the weeds also represent the soulish things, the things of self that Jesus also says oppose the things of the Spirit. So there are things of self that can choke the seed and prevent it from becoming fruitful in the way that God intends. Now, what do you do with weeds? I'm not a great gardener, but I've learned enough over the years to know that it's no use topping off the weed and leaving the root. Topping off the weed is forgiveness. God forgives us if we've allowed the weed to be there. But forgiveness doesn't get rid of the root. So if the root remains, the sin will be repeated. It's been said that the only sins of which we truly repent are those that we never repeat. Because what has happened through repentance is the weed has been rooted out of our lives so it's no longer there and can no longer reproduce negative seeds. What you must always remember is that one weed is full of seeds and if those seeds fall into the ground of your life, they will produce more weeds. So we don't want to just top off the weed with forgiveness. We want those things of self that are counterproductive to the harvest, to the fruitfulness that God intends, for those things to be rooted out of our lives altogether. The problem is this. Many weeds are quite attractive. And... Uh, if you're like me and not a very experienced horticulturist, sometimes you look at something and say, is that a weed or is it a flower? Uh, ignorance can cause that confusion. 
But in people's lives, there are lots of things that appear to be beautiful, appear to be good, but actually they're things of self that are hindering the growth of the good seed that God has planted. And these things that to us look so beautiful and so good can actually be counterproductive to the purpose of God in our lives. Now, this can be true at the personal level. It can be true at the corporate level in any church or any gathering of God's people. Jesus says, by their fruit you will know them. Not even by, are you enjoying your life as a Christian or are you enjoying your life as a church member? What is the fruitfulness? Now, between giving this parable, speaking this parable, and Jesus interpreting it, the disciples ask him a question. It says in in Luke's version, in chapter 8 of Luke, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables. So that those seeing they do not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. So Jesus is saying in this parable and of course in others too I am giving you the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom. How will the kingdom of God be spread? Through the harvest, the results, the fruit of the good seed that God has sown by his spirit into the hearts and lives of his people. So long as the ground is kept weed free. That there's nothing to choke the growth. We would readily recognize things of the enemy, temptation to sin and so on. That is obviously to be rooted out. It's the good things or the seemingly good things that actually are the work of self, of the soul, of our natural endeavor to try to please God and to fulfill his purposes that choke the seed. See, the point is this. A farmer cannot do anything to initiate the process of growth except sow the seed. Now, he will need to water the seed But all he's doing is watering the seed. He's not causing the seed to grow. 
He may add fertilizer to stimulate the growth process, but still, he can't cause the growth process. In natural farming, the growth process that God has put within creation enables the seed to become harvest. Spiritually speaking, the same principle is true. It's only God who causes the growth. Now, his purpose is that the harvest will be seen in the lives of those into whom the seed is sown 30 times, 60 times, 100 times. Luke, in his version of the parable, only mentions the hundredfold fruit. And when Jesus explains what the hundredfold fruit means, he says that this indicates those who have held fast to the word of God with an honest and good heart. What does that mean? It means that they've devoted their lives to seeing the outworking of his word. Not of their desires, not of their plans, not of their purposes, but of his word. That the harvest can only come through the reproduction of the word. Now, when you read the opening chapters of the Acts of the Apostles, there's a very, very interesting statement that describes what is happening. We know that on the day of Pentecost, 120 people got filled with the Spirit. We know that subsequent to that, as a result of that, they then sowed the seed in the power of the Spirit, 3,000 came to the Lord, then 5,000. They were turning Jerusalem upside down. But there's this phrase where the Scripture says, and the word of God grew. The word of God grew among them. And you think, how can the word of God grow? Well, the word of God is seed. What was happening among them was the word was growing and producing the harvest. So everything they were doing was focused around the word. And the Holy Spirit that had been given them was, of course, fulfilling what Jesus had promised the Spirit would do. He would remind them of the words that he has spoken, not so much of what he did, but of his words. He would take what I've said and he would declare it to you. The Holy Spirit will keep speaking the words so that the seed of the word will grow in us. The seed of the word will grow among us because that and that alone can produce the harvest. So <clears throat> we always have to check out what we're doing to see, okay, is this the word of God? 
Now, here, another subtle thing can take place. Because there's a lot of revelation of the truth in the word of God. In the Old Testament and the New Testament. But even if you just take the New Testament, which is about the New Covenant, and we're called to live the New Covenant, not the Old Covenant, because the New Covenant has better promises, it's like saying God has increased the quality of the Word. I mean, it's all the Word of God. But the revelation of truth is much greater in the New Testament than the Old. The promises of the New Covenant are greater than the Old, and so on that the old is only a shadow compared with the reality we read in, in Hebrews. So God has given us, in the new covenant, the reality of what it is he is wanting to see expressed in our lives. But we can take elements of the truth and ignore other elements of the truth. And you can say, well, we're walking in the truth because what we're doing is in some way a reflection of the truth, but we're not going to see the harvest unless we're living in the full revelation of the truth. In other words, we can't be selective. We can't just choose which elements of the truth we are going to see expressed in our lives. Is what we're doing, is what we're believing, is what we're praying, is what we're speaking the whole counsel of God? When Paul was on his way to Jerusalem, and ultimately, of course, he would be sent to Rome and that would be the end of his ministry as we've known it. On the way there, he met with the elders from Ephesus at Miletus. And in Acts chapter 20, there's a wonderful testimony, really, that Paul gives of his ministry, of the ministry that he exercised in Ephesus, of course, he spent two years in the. Uh, he, he helped to plant the church in Ephesus. He spent two years there teaching the people. That's why the epistle to, to Ephesus is full of such wonderful doctrine. You read the first two, three chapters of of um, Ephesus, and it's one wonderful doctrinal statement after another, without any explanation. Why? Because Paul had been there, he taught them, he knew that they would understand what he said, that in what he's writing, he would remind them of the truth that he's taught them. Very different from his epistle to the Romans. He'd never visited Rome, he'd never taught in Rome. So Rome, to, to the Romans, Paul makes a doctrinal statement, then explains it. So you have eight chapters of wonderful exposition about the gospel of salvation, of redemption, all closely argued and explained by Paul. To the Ephesians, didn't need to do that. 
because he'd already taught them. He could just remind them of what they knew. But in this testimony that he gives to the elders from Ephesus, he says, you know while I was among you, I taught the whole counsel of God. And I never held back from saying to you whatever you needed to hear. That is a a profound truth. While I was among you, I taught the whole counsel of God. The harvest comes out of the whole counsel of God. And what we always need to understand is what is lacking or what is stifled by the things of self that are preventing the seed from the 30, 60, 100-fold. We can see good things happening, as we, Kingdom Faith, seeing a lot of wonderful things happening at present. But we know that God's intention is for far more than we're seeing at present. We know that. So just pursuing the course that we are now is not going to produce more. It's only going to produce more of what we're seeing now. The greater harvest is going to come out of the whole counsel of God, of holding fast to the word of God with an honest and good heart. So it's always a question of hearing God, but then putting his word into action. And what he will be speaking into our lives is the whole counsel of God. I spend 45 minutes to an hour every day just listening to the Lord. And um, He was saying to me just a few days ago, Colin, every day, every day of your life for all the years, I've been doing this for, I don't know, 50 years or so, every day I've spoken the finest quality seed into your heart and life. The question is, what have you done with it? How has the finest quality seed I've sown into your heart been reproduced in what you say and do? And I've seen times of great harvest, amazing harvest, thousands coming to the Lord. But what concerns God now is what he sees now, not what he has seen or even what he will see, but what he sees now. 
And I've been going through a process for the last few weeks whereby God has really been dealing with, with me personally to uproot anything in my life that has been choking that seed and preventing the harvest that I see now from being what I've seen in the past. Now, I've wanted to say, well, Lord, my ministry is different now. You know, I'm nearly 80 years old and boom, boom. And God says to me, this has got nothing to do with age. This has got nothing to do with circumstances. This has got to do with the reproductive power of my word. So I've been going through a really testing time. And the most, you know, I'm not going to go into any personal details because it's of no relevance. Except to tell you one thing. That the most difficult thing, the most obstinate thing that God has had to root out of my heart is something that I thought was the most beautiful thing. I thought it was so beautiful and such a good positive effect upon my life. And it took me a long time to realize that is of self and actually is choking the effectiveness of the seed of my word in your life. Maybe different in your life, of course. But... <laughs> I actually had to face that what I considered to be beautiful was a weed. And because it was a weed, it was having this effect of choking the effectiveness of God's word in my life. It was feeding something of self that I thought was really good, but it wasn't of God. It wasn't what God wanted. The heart is deceitful above all things. And it's very easy to think, oh, this is good. And God is saying, no, it's not. Because it's not what I want. It's something that has fed what you wanted. But not what I wanted. So beautiful though it may be to you, root it out. And praise God, by his grace, it has been rooted out, and I don't miss it. Don't miss it at all. And I'm much better off without it.
We can't avoid whatever takes place between the sowing and the reaping. You remember that scripture? You have sown much, but reaped little. Why is that? Something is hindering the growth process. God knew that, which is why, of course, he spoke that word. But I believe that God is bringing us to the point now where we're not only going to have multiplication, harvest, and abundance as promises from God, but we're going to see the reality. Because whatever hinders the growth, whatever is lacking at present, is going to be put in place. You see, if we lack what we receive, it's because we're reaping what we've sown. We've sown lack, so we reap lack. How can you sow lack? Well, something is lacking in the growth process. So what you see is lack. And the answer to lack is not, oh Lord, meet this need. But we have to ask the right question. You only get the right answers when you ask the right questions. So the right question is always, why is there the need? What is lacking that produces the lack? And that's all part of the growth process. And God, of course, says to us, well, what have I sown? I haven't sown lack in you. I've sown Christ in you. I've sown the kingdom within you. The kingdom is like seed within you. I have blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I've sown the best. I've sown the fullness of my life. I've sown everything. So in the seed that I've sown, there is multiplication, there is harvest, there is abundance. It isn't that I haven't sown the best. So I believe in the wisdom of God, in the mercy of God, in the grace of God. We are about to have the most wonderful few months. I'm so looking forward to this coming time. Because I believe that what God is going to do amongst us is whatever is necessary to get rid of all the lack in our lives. By his grace to enable us to pull up anything and everything that is hindering the growth and the harvest 
of what he has sown. And I believe that as we, we respond to what the Lord shows us and to what the Lord does in us, then we will see the fulfillment of everything that he's promised us. And this, of course, is not just a word for us and the team here, but it's for the whole church because what God is concerned about is the whole body becoming fruitful in the way that he intends. So, the secret, really, you know, of the Christian life is to keep adding. You remember where Peter says, to your faith, add this and this and this and this. It's a question of adding. It's not so much a question of saying, this is not right, this is wrong, we're not doing this, we're not doing it. But keep adding to what you are doing. Keep adding. See, lack means there's more, or the need of more. So keep adding, keep adding, keep adding. So we see God doing so many really good and wonderful things in the church at present. That's really encouraging. But what is God saying? Keep adding. Keep adding. Keep adding. Keep adding my word. What I am saying. I want to see the whole counsel of my word being expressed in your life together. The whole counsel and if there are things of self might seem beautiful and good and right but they're not actually promoting the growth of the word pull them up just pull them up so that there's nothing to hinder the harvest What we have to realize, dear friends, is that in the purposes of God, he would like to see the harvest today. Yeah? Why? Because he says, open your eyes, look, see. The fields are white, ready for harvest. <laughs> We're seeing the first gleanings God is saying, add to what I'm doing. And actually, we know, or I know I've got a fairly good idea of what we need to add, but I'm not going to get into all that now. Add. And then you will see everything that has been promised. You see, when Christians look at their situation and they see in any way that they lack, what they do is to focus on the lack and say, God 
meet this need where we're lacking. And God is saying, listen, you're lacking in this way because I see that you're lacking in these ways. It's not what you lack, but what I see you lacking that matters. Now, add to what you have what I see is lacking, and then you will not. Does this make sense to you? So you see, we can focus on the need, and we know from Scripture that's never going to supply the answer. We can even rebuke the need and stand against the need, and God's saying, well, put in place what I see is lacking, and then there will be my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So what is lacking of those riches? Ask the right question. You get the right answer. Let's all stand. And he will show us, he will show each one of us whatever we need to see. Because he doesn't want any lack in our lives, any lack in the church. He wants abundance, harvest, multiplication. Hallelujah. Have we got some believers here this morning? Come on, let's respond then. Just open your heart now and respond to. How can you respond to a word like this? Because I haven't given you any answers. It's not my intention to give you any answers. We've got to get the answers from the Lord, eh? Each one of us. Lord, what is lacking? What do you want me to add? What am I missing? And he will answer the questions. Lord, is there anything that's choking the seed from harvest, from 30, 100 fold? If there's sin, you will be readily conscious of that and you can root that out. But are there good things of the soul? You know, just soulish things, just things that have taken up our time, attention, that are counterproductive to what God is wanting to do. Things that might seem good and beautiful to us, but God is saying that hinders, doesn't help. Hallelujah. He will show you those things. But don't top off the weeds, root them out. Say, Lord, I don't want 
anything in my life, anything of self, that is going to hinder that kingdom purpose. Because you have given to me the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God because I'm one of your children. And I want to see the kingdom of God being expressed in my life. And the kingdom is not a matter of talk, but of power. I need to see the power of your kingdom in my life, like I've never seen before, much greater, much more than I've ever seen in the past. And we can all say, Lord, I know that's your will for my life. That's your will for the church, for every church, in every place. You sow the best because you always want the best for us. Hallelujah. You've given us the finest seed, Christ in us, the hope of glory. You've sown the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven within our hearts. And we praise you, we bless you, that all the riches, all the resources, all the blessings of heaven are ours. We are co-heirs with Christ of all that you have to give. So Lord, by your grace, enable us to add to what we already have. So that when you look upon our lives, you see that nothing is missing. That we lack nothing. That we are laying hold of everything for which you've laid hold of us. We're taking hold of that fullness of life. That faith rises up within us to enable us to do that. So we praise you, Lord, that we're going to have such a rich time in these coming weeks and months as you just lavish your grace upon us because we understand, Lord, it's not a matter of what we do but of what you do in us. That what is lacking is not that we need to do more but we just need to let you do more in us. And through us. Because only that will produce the fruit that will last. And we praise you Lord that you are always willing to do more in us. Always willing to release more of your revelation. More of your truth. More of your life. More of your love. More of your power. That that, Lord we would just see those rivers of living water flowing out of us. And we bless you, we praise you, we exalt you, we glorify you. Kora taparia leto kora sotari santoma. Popara zato papakala sitari sandaria leto kora sotari santoma. Papapara zato papakala sotari santoma kora sotama. Basta kalaria leto kora sotari sandaria leno mazotari santoma. 
basta galaria leto gorosotri sandaria lenoma sinoma bo paparia leto gorosotri sandaria lenoma sinoma thank you thank you thank you jesus thank you thank you thank you jesus porataparia leto gorosotri sandoma bo paparia leto gorosotri sandaria lenoma sinoma paparia leto gorosotri Thank you, Lord, we have come to fullness of life according to your word, that that fullness is ours in Christ Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you that according to your word we lack nothing that is good. It is all ours in Christ Jesus. And we praise you, we bless you. Lord, we, we, we just need to allow you to do more. allow you just to pour more of your grace more of your goodness more of your love into our hearts and lives and we praise you for that we thank you lord <laughs> that you alone can produce the harvest all we can do is reap it but you have to produce it and we thank you lord we bless you we praise your wonderful name Kara kama let's really pray in the spirit now Oh Jesus sora bataria leto garasutri sandama Baba parazatu pakalasitri sandaria leto papa parazandama Baba parazatu pakalasitri sandaria leto papa pakalasitri sandama Oh razandaria leto garasutri sandaria leno masutri sandama Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, beloved, I've just given you, or the Lord has given all of us, some questions. Don't just file them, answer them. You know, get before God and and receive his answers into your heart and life he will show you what is lacking what he wants to supply it's not what you do it's what he will give by his grace he will show you hallelujah thank you for listening to this kingdom faith podcast we trust it's been an encouragement to you For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.